Hi everybody, it's me Essence and I'm back for another episode of Bible Study and I hope you are ready to get into it, okay? Because I'm about to spill the tea on the word of God and what went down. So a lot of the times people say the Bible is boring and I'm like, where? Like, have you read the Bible? Because I feel like nowadays people really overlook the old testament but these things that went down in the old testament like not only are they relatable to life today but they are like rich in the juice like they're juicy stories they're juicy um topics and it's like people think that god used the holiest of holy individuals but he uses the grimiest of the grimiest individuals and he delivers them and he uses them and he sets them free and he does great things through them so if ever you feel like you can't be used by god that is a lie from the pit of hell because god used murderers he's used prostitutes he's used um fornicators he's used he's used um for, uh adulterers he's used liars he's used tax collectors and the list goes on and on of people who are not worthy but god still chose them and used them so god will choose you and use you but it's not so that you can stay in the things that you're in god uses people that don't even know that they're being used by god they think it's of their own accord, but he's using them for such a time as whatever the time is. Like he used Moses. Moses? No. He used, he did use Moses, but he used Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't believe in God, but he still used him to get done what needed to get done so that the, um, the people were free. And so that's why it's important to know that God is bigger. God is more than anything we could ever imagine. So taking it back, reeling it back in. If you think the Bible is boring, then you really need to read it and you need to read it with open eyes. So um, I pray right now, we're going to pray before we get started. We're in Genesis and we're going to pray. Let's just get into it. Okay. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, I pray you have your way. I pray that you pull out whatever it is that we need to get from this word. Father God, I thank you so much for allowing us to come together and do Bible study. And I pray that the tea is spilled and it's piping hot, Lord God. I pray that you allow me to do your will and present your word according to the Bible um, in a way that is easy to understand to any individual that is hearing this and reveal nuggets to us, reveal nuggets to me, Lord God. Have your way in me. Have your way to any person who hears this, Lord God. But I pray that people can look at your word in a different way. They're not looking at it with... Um, like a hardened heart, but instead you soften our hearts, Lord God, and allow us to receive everything you have for us in your word, everything you have us as far as the promise goes. And I pray that we have a good time studying your word together. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, use me, have your way, let it be your words, your will, your way. And I pray Holy Spirit has Holy Spirit leads me and guides me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I hope you guys are having a wonderful day, a wonderful week, a wonderful whatever you're experiencing right now. I pray that if you're experiencing anything that is negative, that we give it over to God because Lord knows there's some stuff that I am going through, okay? And so in spite of all that I've been experiencing, I just thank God so much because he is, as we get into this word and we see like the underlying message and the character of Christ and the character of God is that he is a way maker. He makes provisions for us. He makes sure that all of our needs are met and he makes sure that we know that we can trust him. God is trustworthy, but sometimes we don't trust him because we don't know him. And if we're not spending time in our word and learning his character, learning who he is, learning his promises, learning how he has been 
and how he's faithful and consistent, we won't know that we can truly rely on him. So let's get into this word. If you've been following any of these videos, then you know this is the time where I'm going to ask you to please, please, please like, share, subscribe, and push that notification bell so that anytime a new video comes out, you are ready and you will get a notification. So hopefully you can support the channel in that way. So into the business. So this is what we're going to. So we are about to spill the tea on the word of God. So um, you guys know we went through the story of um, Adam and then Eve, um, their fall, of the fall of mankind. We talked about last episode how um, Cain killed his brother Abel. Messy, 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 right? And that is something because they were brothers and it was all because Cain's heart wasn't right. So if you haven't heard it, go back to a pre the previous episodes and listen to all of them, okay? I would love for you to leave a comment. I hope it's all love. I mean, as if you didn't know, the Bible needs to be read by you. So even though I'm like reading it and sharing what I believe God gave me and the Holy Spirit leads me to share with you, it's always important for you to know God for yourself and not like a secondhand story. And so it's very important for you to dive into the word and for you to read the word and see what God is revealing to you in it. Look into it further to know like what theologians are saying, but ultimately trust Holy Spirit in leading you and guiding you and giving you revelation. The more we get into the word, the more we're able to build a relationship with God. We're able to recognize his voice when he speaks. We're able to know that thought was not of his character. That thought is not consistent with um, how he is in the word of God. So therefore it probably isn't him. It allows us to really cleanse um, the messages that come into our minds and our, in our head or people share with us. It's like a filter. And then we can filter it with who we know God is. If you're not reading the word, you may just believe anything anyone tells you. Even if I'm telling you something, I know we're doing these Bible studies together, but if it's not in alignment with the word of God, then I mean, I'm wrong, right? Because the word of God is the truth. So today we're going to spill the tea on Noah. And Noah, although like um, Adam and Eve had a couple chapters, um, Cain and Abel had, you know, a couple chapters, uh, Noah has more. So today we're just going to dive into um, Genesis chapter six, but I'm going to start in Genesis five because I want you to know where Noah came from. All right. So remember Cain was the firstborn of Adam and Eve. Okay. I'm just setting the foundation for you and then we're going to get into it. Cain was the firstborn of Adam and Eve. So Cain, he took the life of his brother Abel and God, um, and the reason why you don't have to listen to the other video, but the reason why wasn't even Abel's fault, you know, Cain was in his feelings and he was all mad because his heart wasn't right. And God called him out on it. And then be, instead of owning it and taking accountability for his actions, he decided to take the life of his brother. Okay. So that's where we left off. Um, and then it kind of um, went through the lineage of Cain, like um, some of his lineage. It didn't go into detail with all the kids that he had because he still had kids and had family and everything after um, he did that. But um, Lamech was one of his descendants. So it wasn't his son directly, but it was like one of his great greats, one of the great grandchildren. And so Lamech 
had, um, we know he had two wives. We know that he also took the life of someone and, um, but he was the father of Noah. And so that's why I'm going to start in Genesis five today, because I want you to just have a little, um, background of where Noah, who Noah's daddy was. Okay. So now I'm also going to be referencing my notes and the word of God. Of course, we're going to read it and I'm going to, we're going to talk about it, but I'm going to be referencing my notes. So if I'm looking down sometimes, you know, like when I'm studying, I'll write something down. And so I'll read it. Sometimes it'll be a little repetitive, but you know what? I'm not perfect and I need to remember. So we're going to do this thing together. I hope you have a notebook. You can take your notes too. If you have any points that you're like, oh my gosh, God revealed this to me. Like God is so amazing because put it in the comments. I would love to see it. Okay. All right. So Father God, have your way. All right. So um, we kind of recapped on Genesis 5. So I'm going to start reading at Genesis 5, 28. We didn't. Okay. So we left off in Genesis 4. Genesis 5 kind of talked about the lineage of um, Adam. And it talks about when Seth was born. And then it talks about the children that it doesn't go into detail. Some children were mentioned, but mostly like because they had a lot of kids, they were being fruitful and multiplying. They it just it just says like the name of um, one of the sons or one of the descendants and they're like, and they had a whole bunch of sons and daughters. So it doesn't go into detail. I mean, I, some of us won't be mentioned when they uh, mention lineage, but we're still up in there. Okay. All right. So Genesis 5, 28 through 32, let's start there. Let me turn to Genesis 5, first of all, sorry, I'm bumping the mic. Okay. Genesis 5 and 28 says Lamech, remember he's a descendant of Cain. So he was one of Cain's, um, down the line, somebody's son had Lamech, and I'm, I hope I'm saying it right, but Lamech lived 182 years. And remember back in the day, they lived long. They were being fruitful and multiplying. They were having all these kids so they can populate the earth and be in obedience to God in that sense. So Lamech lived 182 years and had a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, this one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. After he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters. So all of the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. And Noah was 500 years old and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So those were his three boys. Noah was 500 when he had his kids. Whew, that is now I know they were living a long time back then. I know they were having kids at 125, 135, 90, etc. But 500? Okay, so anyway, Noah was 500 when he had his kids. Um, and he had his three boys. I don't know if he had any other kids. That's what was mentioned before it goes into chapter six. So that's just kind of like, he came from Lamech. That was Cain's um, lineage, you know, down the line. Lamech was his father. Lamech took two wives. We read that um, in our last episode. And he took a life, but that's just, that's just what it was. And then it goes into just so that you, I guess, so that we know a little bit about, um, where Noah came from. Okay. So Noah was 500 years old when he had his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And yeah. All right. So now we're going to start with Genesis six and we're going to go through verses one through two. Let's start there. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. So in Genesis six, one through two, verse two says that the sons of God 
saw the daughters of men were beautiful and they married them or they took, yeah, they took them as wives and they had children with them. And I don't know if that's verse three, if I'm moving too fast, but okay. So the sons of God. So of course the question is like, who are these sons of God? Because the daughters of men we know are the daughters of men. Okay. So when I asked that, I had to look it up, do a little research. And this is according to my findings. Okay. What I found and like what theologians and stuff said. So sons of God is referred to in multiple places in the Bible. Um, when it pertains to this scripture though, like when you look up like theologians and studies, et cetera, it usually references Job one and six and Job two and one. The term sons of God is referencing angelic beings. If you're looking at those two passages. Um, so I'm going to read those for you. So let me find it. I should have put a tab in here for Job, but that's okay. This is a Bible study. So we're expected to study and um, get through the Bible. Of course, my everything's all over. the. It's sticking together because I'm on here. All right. So Job 1 and 6. Let's read what that says. Excuse me. Okay. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So that's Job 1 and 6. And then Job 2 and 1 reads, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them to present themselves before the Lord. So as I dived into this, I saw... Um, that's what was referenced when it was saying the sons of God, it was angelic beings. Then I also looked up like where in the Bible is sons of God referenced. So other than that, um, we see it in Romans 8, 14 through 17. So let me go to Romans 8. Sorry, guys, I'm turning there. I thought I had put tabs in here, but I guess I only did it for a couple of verses. Okay, so Romans 8, 14 through 17. Okay. And it reads for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. So that's referencing us. And then we're going to read it through verse 17 for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. Okay, so that's where it references sons of God. Then if you look again, um, so it references believers being adopted as children of God through the spirit. And then if we go to Galatians 3.26, it references sons of God, um, those who believe in God through faith in Jesus. So make sure you write down these scriptures and then you can go back to them and look them up. And take any notes in your Bible or in your notebook um, about, you know, what the Holy Spirit's revealing to you in it. Um, but Galatians 3.26 is the sons of God is re being referenced as those who believe in God through faith in Jesus. So when I looked into this further, I saw that there were three schools of thought pertaining to like what sons of God represented. So theologians are like divided in this matter. But two out of three of these are similar. Right. And then one of them is different. So. Let me read. Um, the first school of thought is that um, sons of God represents angelic interpretation. I'm sorry. Yeah. Interpretation. So it's like heavenly beings, angels being the sons of God and the daughters of men being human women. So 
that's like saying these angelic beings were having babies with these human women. Now, the second school of thought is Sethite interpretation. Sethite meaning descendants of Seth because um, they believe that the sons of God were Seth's descendants being that the righteous line of humans and the daughters of men being, being Cain's descendants when Cain um, wasn't before the presence of the Lord anymore after he took the life of his brother Abel. So then it would make his line the unrighteous line. And that's why it said daughters of man versus sons of God, which represented um, Seth, which is the one of the sons born to Adam and Eve. And then the third school of thought is the heavenly court interpretation. So it was a result as which scripture says in Job 1 and 6 and 2 and 1, that the sons of God were angelic um, divine beings who presented themselves before God in a heavenly court setting. And they say that because they went before the Lord, the um, enemy also went, Satan went. I'm not saying if the sons of God, I don't know, you know, they were angelic beings. That's all we know. There's no further details to that. So those are the three schools of thought. Um, each school of thought exists among theologians, but the sons of God and daughters of men bore children, which is referenced to in some biblical interpretations as Nephilim. So um, they were superhuman. So the Nephilim were superhuman beings. They were um, super strong. They were like giants and stuff like super tall um, because that's how it was referenced. So let's go. To, and that's just because, you know, when we're reading the word of God, we want to be interactive with it. And we're like, OK, well, what is this? So if we see something in it, we want to look into it further. And then if we still don't have understanding before we even start, we need to pray. Right. We have to say, Lord, help us understand what you're trying to say, what you're telling us, not what you're trying, what you're saying. Help us understand it and help us interpret it appropriately according to what you're saying in this passage. OK, so now. Um, I saw that and I wanted to know more because I heard so many different things. I heard like the sons of God, these were the fallen angels and they were seeing women and they wanted to have babies with them. And then the results of it were these. And so I just looked into it for myself. This is what I found. These are the three schools of thought. And if it's something that interests you, go look it up, go look further into it. Okay. And I think I'm going to look into it further, but let's get back to it. So Genesis, let's go back to Genesis six and look at verses five through six. Okay. So Genesis six verses five through six. Then the Lord saw that the wicked, where am I? Yeah. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of this heart of their, of his heart was only evil continually. Verse six. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So um, after verse, let's go back up, okay? Just to refresh and then we'll go back. So um, we're gonna start with three and read back down. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. This is after, okay, so yeah. So after the sons of man, and the wait, the sons of God and the daughters of men notice that the women were beautiful. They took wives for themselves and then they, um, who they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever for he is indeed flesh. That's verse three. I skipped it. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God 
came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. So that's the part that I skipped. So the sons of men, I'm sorry, the sons of God and the daughters of men had babies together. They bore children. And those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Okay, so that's what I skipped. So after we talked about the interpretations, we talked about who the sons of men were, sons of God and the daughters of men in that they had babies, which were Nephilim in some interpretations of the Bible. So then the Lord saw, verse five, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So that means that every, every single person, every man on earth, the intentions within them were evil. That's horrible. Um, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So God is saying wickedness was crazy and every intent of the thoughts of man's heart was always evil. And people were making God, we were grieving and they were grieving God. That is horrible to know that God created us, right? Of course, the fall of mankind, Adam and Eve, had to be out of the garden, but things got worse. So not only did Cain take the life of his brother Abel, murder's happening because we know Lamech took the life of somebody. And now like the world is running rampant. They're populating the earth and people are out there tripping. They're living their best life, doing whatever they want to do, not having any morals, not, you know, just being evil. And it's over there grieving our God, our creator so much so that he wants to take the life of all individuals that's really bad so let's go to verse seven verse seven reads so the lord said i will destroy man whom i whom i have created from the face of the earth both man and beast creeping thing and birds of the air for i am sorry that i have made them so it was so bad that he didn't even just want to take the lives of all the people he created he wanted to take the lives of the animals too the creeping things and the, the, the birds of the air, it was that bad that the animals had no chance either. So, man, I don't know. That's crazy. Like what was really going on? I mean, if you look at the world that we live in today, I don't think that God would be pleased with it. This world is a hot mess from human trafficking, from just everything that's going on in this world. And I don't, I can't even imagine what was possibly occurring back then that wasn't occurring today in my mind. Like I just can't even imagine things being worse than they currently are for God to feel grieved and want to take down the human race and like start over. So, all right. So let's read um, verse eight through 10. So God was sorry that he made everybody and everything. He was like over it. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's verse eight, verse nine. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation and Noah walked with God and he had three sons. Doesn't this make you think, how am I living? If God were to look at the earth right now and be like, this place is a hot mess. Everybody's running rampant. This is crazy, which I believe is really what's going on. Um, and he decided that he wanted to end it. 
And then it only fell upon the just, the people who were walking with Christ, the ones who were living a righteous life. What would you, do you think you'd be in that number? I had to think about it like, man, like, you know, I know I'm far from perfect, but I mean, I don't, you know, you don't want to compare yourself to anybody else, but you have to compare yourself amongst what God is saying about you. And if you're living according to what he's saying about you. And so like, if you were to look over your life and look over your actions and look how you're living, would God spare your life? And as a result of that, spare your children? Because Noah, God found favor with Noah. God had grace upon Noah, like, which is amazing because everybody on the, in the earth, on the earth, everybody was living a corrupt life. They had been given over to reprobate minds. They were just tripping, acting crazy, living their best lives according to them. Right. And so they were doing what they want. I'm guessing. But would we find grace in God's eyes, how we're living? Think, just think about it. This is a rhetorical question. Well, it's rhetorical to me because you're not going to answer me unless you want to put your business out there. But if you look over your life, would you feel that God would look at you and have grace upon you and be like, I'll spare your life. And because of the favor that I have on you, I'll spare the lives of your children. And if not, then we need to repent and we need to turn away from whatever it is that we're doing. Because back in the day, they didn't have the word of God in the beginning. Like they didn't have the Bible telling them what went down and giving them these instructions. Of course, they were able to talk to God, but so are we when we pray and when we um, read the word. So we have like this map and we have the, the knowledge that's provided to us so that we know how to live and how to do things. And if we're not right, it gives us the opportunity to get things right, right? Okay, so I thank God for Jesus because without him, we would all be doomed. And if any of us know God, wouldn't be pleased with how we're living, we need to make changes. We need to repent, which means, you know, we go over this like every um, episode, but repentance is like when you're turning away from the things that you know you're not supposed to do or the things you're not supposed to do, the things that don't align with how God um, is um, telling us we need to live, not demonstrating the character characteristics of Christ. We're just doing our own thing, being led by ourselves, making idols out of like money and all these other areas of our life, but not putting, keeping God in his place of, as Lord over our life. If we're doing anything opposing what God's called us to, then we need to turn away from those things. And if you feel that you are, but you don't know what those things are, then it's time to pray and say, God, let me know what I'm not doing right. Let me know what I need to do differently. Let me know so that I won't do those things. And then when you show me, help me to not go back to the, that way of living help me to be transformed and renewed and made new in you because God will do it so we have to turn away from those things and ask God to remove those stumbling blocks I ask him regularly Lord help me to be on track help me to do what I've been called to do help me to be faithful help me be obedient help me to step out in faith and do what you called me to but I don't want to be you know if anything were to go down not on his side I don't want to be one of the ones he's like I'm just so mad that I even created the human race I'm wiping them out in Essence is not in the number. The devil is a lie. God help me do what I need to do so that I am. Okay. So that's where they were at. So let's go to verse 11 through 12. I'm just turning pages all up in my notes. Okay. So the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So there was not one other than Noah finding grace with the Lord and being perfect in his generations, there was none. And they didn't name his kids. So because God 
was covering Noah and he covered his kids, but it wasn't, he doesn't mention that his kids were fine. He doesn't, they don't mention that he had a relationship. The kids had a relationship with God. So we don't know that, but I'm not saying everyone on earth today is corrupt, but overall as Christ followers, we really need to pray for this world because it is heavily or very corrupt. We live in a mess and we all need Jesus. So let's go to verse 13. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So God's decision was already made and it's about to go down, right? So he he's like, I'm done. This is what it is. And so let's read 14 through 16. Make yourself, so he's talking to Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover the inside and outside with pitch. Okay, and then verse 15, and this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it in a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Okay, so that's 14 through 16. So God gave very specific instructions to Noah for him to um, make the ark. He told him like he laid it out. It wasn't like he was like, okay, go, go build a boat, go build an ark. He was like, you're going to build an ark and this is what it is. So first he gives Noah all these, he's, he's like, look, it's about to go down, about to end the, the world. Everybody's corrupt. This is, this is what's happening. It's not, you can't even talk me out of it. Like, this is what it is. And then he says, so this is what I need you to do. I need you to go build this ark. And these are the dimensions of it. This is how it needs to be. These are the decks that it needs to have. So he was super specific. And then what stood out to me was um, how specific the instructions were. Because sometimes I'd be praying to God and I'm like, Lord, please tell me, like, tell me X, Y, Z. Tell me what A plus B is equals C so that I can get to D, E, F and then walk me through all the way to Z. I want every single step. But that has to be a lot of pressure. Like when I think when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, my goodness, like, Ooh, what pressure if the Lord is saying I need it to be like this like this like this it needs to be measured perfectly I'll be measuring 10 times to make sure that I was getting the cubits right make sure that it had the appropriate decks make sure that there was the appropriate like everything I would want to be perfect I feel like that's a lot of pressure so um another thing <laughs> that stood out to me was when I'm praying or just one of the things that ran through my mind was like when I'm praying God will like reveal something to me and I'll want more and I'll be like, Lord, you gave all this, you know, as I'm thinking about it and reading, like, Lord, you get all this information to know. You told him step one, step two, step three, step four, five, six, seven, eight, do it like this. But you'd be giving me like a little taste or a little piece or show me the big picture down the line. But then I'm like, in, I don't know how to get there. And I feel like you're giving in that God is giving me freedom in how I move forward. And it, it allows me to step out in faith and open doors, but both ways show us how to have faith and open doors, right? It, and you know, and he still opens doors both ways show us whether he gives you all the master plan, the blueprint, the instructions, or if he gives you a piece and says, wait, both require obedience. So if you have a piece of a vision, if God told you something like big picture, but you don't know how to do it, you do what you can. You trust him. You pray. You trust that he will reveal your neck, your steps, and you do what you can to move forward in the moment. With Noah, he gave him specific instructions, which looking back now, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of expectation. But I mean, if you look at what's happening in the word, he's about to end the, 
everything. He's about to end people's lives. He's going to take it all. And the only people left is going to be knowing his three children and their wives and his wife. And so you much is given right to whom much is given much is required. And that's what the word tells us. And so he gave him all the details um, needed to carry out the plan. And then um, it doesn't matter if God gives us a big picture, no detail, small picture, lots of details, um, whatever the steps are, we just need to be obedient with the instructions God gives, gives us and we need to carry them out to the best of our ability. God knows what we can handle and he knew what Noah could handle. So let's not get overwhelmed or underwhelmed of what God is instructing us or showing us and know that what he has in store for us is bigger than us alone. Let's trust him and be obedient. So with me, I have been guilty of procrastination. What if Noah procrastinated? And I know I'm going to get into this a little later, but what if he would have procrastinated and been like, okay, God, you told me this, but let me go do this. Let me go here. I got this to do. And he didn't build the ark in time for when the rains were coming. What if he decided to put off what God said? I don't know. That's just, it's just, wow. Because we look at this and we're like, oh my gosh, it's just such a big deal. But look, any anything that God has taken his time to tell you, reveal to you, to show you is a big deal. It could be life or death and we just don't even know. He may not have told us that piece, but we just have to make sure that we're doing what we need to do. Okay, so let's read seven verses 17 and 18. And behold, I myself am bringing flood waters on the earth. So he's talking to Noah. He's saying, I'm bringing the flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall be, you shall go into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives with you. This reminds me of two passages. So the first one is about being God's friend. I am a friend of God. It's like this song. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend, um, which I cannot sing. But let's go to John 15, 14 so that I can read that passage to you. So John 15, 14. Okay. And it reads, you are my friend if you do whatever I command you. So clearly Noah was doing what God commanded him. He was about to build this ark. He was about to do these measurements. He was about to follow all these instructions. God trusted him to do what he asked him to do. I mean, I feel like it was life for death. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure, but I mean, I would do it too. However, God tells us stuff all the time and do we do them? Okay. But disclosing the plan and making sure Noah and his family, the kids, their wives, his wife and his wife were all good shows to me, or made me think that God considered Noah a friend, especially because nowhere does God say Noah's wife, sons, or their spouses were um, perfect or that they weren't corrupt. And I said that earlier, but he had his back and to know the plans in place and be spared and God trusting Noah to do what he told him and trust him to establish a covenant with him. That's a big deal. That's like an honor. It's a privilege for God to entrust you with an assignment. We don't always look at it like that. Sometimes, you know, okay, I'm getting off track. Let's go. So the second thing that popped in my mind is from Luke 12 and 48. So let's go to Luke 12 and 48. Okay. Luke 12, 48 reads, and I think I'm only reading Luke. Yeah. Luke 12 and 48. 
But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been commitment committed of him, they will ask the more. So when it says to whom much is given, much is expected. To me, this is this is this is evident because he is giving, he is sparing Noah's life. He is sparing the life of Noah's three sons and their wives and his wife. And to me, that's a lot that's being given. He is giving him. And then he also expects for him to complete the ark for him to then go on and just everything was given to him and expectations that Noah of Noah were very high. But of course, with God, we can do all things. But let's go to um, back to Genesis six and let's read verses 19 through 22. So verse 19 and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. And that's verse 19. Okay. Verse 20 of the birds after their kind of animals after their kind and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to whom them alive to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten and you shall gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, commanded him. So he did. That's a lot. That's a lot of instruction. That's a lot of, of being given to him. And it's a big requirement. Like that's a big job. Okay. And keep in mind, Noah was older than 500 because his sons already had wives now. So he had, he was over 500 building an ark and nowhere did I see that his sons helped him build this ark. They may have, but that detail was left out if it was true. So this is a lot he's instructing Noah to do, but I mean, the stakes are extremely high. Noah did what God called him to do. Although the passage does not share how Noah felt in all this as a human being, right? With real feelings, just knowing the pressure of what and the, the, the greatness of this assignment. I know he had to have moments of stress, moments of doubt, fear, and everything else that we feel at times. When something is on our shoulders, I'm like, Lord, how in the world is this supposed to happen? We need to come outside of ourselves and know if God is assigning us something, if God is telling us that we can do it, then we can with him, of course. The important part of this is, one, he still did what God called him to do regardless of any feelings he may have had. So yeah, the Bible doesn't go into details, but this is a human being being assigned a big assignment from God. So there's pressure that we even put on ourselves. You want to do it right. You're going to be stressed out because it's a lot of work building a whole ark. Then he had to gather two of every kind of animal. And of course, we know as we read on, you know, through the passage and as we study the um, this, which will be in our future episodes, we know that like God brought the animals to him and stuff. It wasn't like he had to go search out everything. But still, like it's still a big, a big assignment. He was obedient. He stepped out in faith. Sometimes we're afraid because what God has called us to do is too big in our minds. It's just a big thing. Um, or we get scared. We procrastinate. And that's something that I've been guilty of. Or even take things. We question it or even take things to those who um, will justify our feelings and talk us out of what God told us to do. Has God ever given you an assignment or told you to do something? And it may be something that's just not normal, not the status quo, not regular, or um, it was big. It was a big assignment. And you feel like within your power, I cannot do this. And so we'll go talk to what, like a hater 
or we'll go talk to a friend whose intentions are good, but they're like hating on God's plan being used by the enemy, um, trying to talk us out of it, telling us that maybe we need to go back and do X, Y, and Z. Like God could have told us to do something crazy. Like, Oh, go quit your job. You know, like when you don't have no savings and God's like, no, I told you to go quit. And then you go talk to your friend who's super logical and loves you dearly, but they didn't hear from God, you know, and then they'll try to talk you out of it or be like, maybe you need to go save and do this first. Or your finances aren't where they need to be for you to do that. So let me tell you, maybe you should do X, Y, and Z. Or maybe you should, if somebody is telling you to do something contrary to the word of God, then you need to do like Jesus did with Peter, which is later on in the New Testament, which of course is in the past now, but which is later on in the New Testament and be like, get thee behind me saying, because that's not from the Lord. If God told you, why are you running and taking those things to people who he didn't speak to about it? He entrusted you. What if Noah could have done this. Noah did that, right? What if Noah would have turned to one of those corrupt individuals or went to his sons who God did not say anyone on the earth was holy or righteous, okay? So if Noah would have talked to anybody about it, he already would have been at fault in my mind. But he could have turned out, it could have turned out very differently. What if he would have procrastinated because it just seemed like an overwhelming task? And he was like, Lord, maybe this is a lie. Are you sure? Lord, is this what I heard? What if you just start questioning? And then what if the rains came and the world flooded and God extended this olive branch to Noah and he missed it because he procrastinated. This is a lesson to us all, many lessons and many takeaways. So I wrote some down. Okay, one, live a holy and righteous life, regardless of what the world is doing. We can't be like the world. We are set apart. We are different than this world. We're not perfect. That's why we need Jesus. However, we have to do our very best to live according to the precepts, the things that God is telling us to do. We know Holy Spirit resonates with us. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit be leading and guiding. Holy Spirit be confirming and confirming that things are right or wrong. We know the difference. Stuff does not register within us. We say, oh, that's my gut or that don't feel right. It's usually Holy Spirit. And um, God sees us and he recognizes it all. He's the only opinion that matters, God's opinion. And that's final anyway. So running to a friend, running to a family member, running to someone else to take them what God gave you because you don't see how it could happen. If they are not a follower of Christ, if they are not someone who's going to give you godly wisdom, if they're giving you anything contrary to what God told you, you don't need to be listening to them. Okay. Number two, God's grace is sufficient. He's got you. He's got us. He's got me. So trust him. If he's giving you assignment, he's telling you to do something, then he's going to make sure that he graces you for it. He's going to make sure that you can handle it with him, of course. He's got you. He's got us. He's got me. I'm talking to me too. God is the, look, in all the episodes we've been, um, you know, in all the episodes and all the things we've been sharing, God has already made provisions for us. Everything we need is already there. He's made the plan before we realized there was an issue. Okay. There was already a solution before we realized it was a problem. So number three, I put be obedient to God in all things, big or small. Our life depends on it. Noah's life depends on, depended on it. His three sons and their wives depended on it. His lineage depended on it. His wife's life and everything else depended on it. The future of the individuals that would be birthed through that, their um, lineage, it depended on it. So trust God. All we have to do is be obedient, even when it's hard, even when we're scared, 
any, it doesn't matter. We just have to be obedient. Okay. So be obedient to God in all things, big or small. We can consider something extremely small and then not be obedient because it's like, Oh, it's not a big deal. I'm guilty. There's like things that God has told me to do in the past that I have not done. And then the situation came up that if I were obedient, provisions would have been laid out and set in place. But because I wasn't, and I didn't do what he told me to do, when the situation arose, I had to deal with the consequences of me not being prepared. And it just is what it is. Now I'm, I look back and I'm like, man, I see where I went wrong. I see where I should have done what dropped in my spirit. It was you Lord. Cause the enemy's not telling me to do things that are of the Lord, right? Don't question it. Don't take it to somebody else. Don't let anybody talk you out of something that God told you. So number four, if God tasks you with something, calls you to something, tells you to do whatever he has and will give you every ability and or resource to complete it. It don't matter the size. Um, in Philippians 4.13, I wrote it down. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that means it's not within our power because, you know, we begin scared and we're like, this is huge. I cannot see me doing it. No, but you with Christ you can. So we can do all things through Christ. So if we're not in our word, we don't know we can do all things through Christ. Or if we're not in our word, we're not reminded that we can do all things through Christ. So we need to make sure we're in our word. We need to make sure we're spending time with God and we're listening and we're hearing him. And we need to make sure that we are remembering the things that he's brought us through. Because sometimes we need to remember those things. Those things will help us remember his consistency and how he always brings us through. And it'll like recharge us so that we know like, hey, he's done it before he can do it again. So trust God, trust his word and be obedient. Number five, don't cast your pearls to swine. So I looked up like I know what it means, but I looked it up so I can explain it better. I'm going to read you what um, I found. Casting your pair, your pearls before swine is a metaphorical impression that means offering valuable or precious things to people who do not appreciate or understand their worth, much like giving something of value to those who are incapable of recognizing its significance. It suggests wasting your efforts or resources on those who are unable to truly appreciate them. So when God tells you something, regardless of what it is, no matter how big or small it seems, no matter if it's so big that you feel like I need to go talk to my friend about it because they're going to agree with me or justify or give me um, you know, a word about what I should or should not do. Don't do that. If God told you, do it. If God said, go here, move here. Go there and move there because he's made provision. Don't be all up out of, don't be out of obedience of God. Don't be out of his perfect will. Be within it. Let's make things easier for ourselves. Don't be like me when I should have listened to God and I didn't listen to God. And then later down the line, when the situation arose that I, if I would have listened to, I would have been prepared for. I wasn't. Don't do that. Learn from my mistakes and learn from the mistakes of the individuals who tell you like, man, don't play. If God told you do it, do it. I don't know why it's so hard. Even knowing that sometimes I still struggle and I have to give it to God and be like, Lord, I need you to help me. Why am I not moving forward in this? I believe you told me this is not something for me to take to somebody because I'm casting my pros and swine. All they're going to do is talk me out of it or say, maybe you didn't hear God. If you heard God. And the thing is, if you're wrong, he's going to grace you. 
right? Because you're you're moving forward and you're trusting him and you're praying for guidance and being led by Holy Spirit. And sometimes we miss the mark by doing those things. Our intentions are good, but God will help us where we're at. And, you know, he's got us. So, but we need to make sure that we're being obedient immediately. Okay. So we can't take what God gave us, those pearls and cast it before people that they don't understand the assignment because God didn't speak to them. They don't have understanding or revelation of what God told you or me because he didn't speak to them. Unless God spoke to, spoke to them or speaks to them or reveals it to them, it's not for them to understand anyway. God is enough. This, his instructions are enough, period. Okay, number six, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Just be obedient. Isaiah 41 and 10, I wrote it down says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. My right, I'm sorry, my righteous right hand. Psalm 23 and four, cause I know we be needing these scriptures cause I be needing like this revelation. I'm like, Lord, help me Lord. And then I'm like, yeah, you already said that. You said that God in your word, you already were talking to me. Provisions were already made. You knew I would have this moment where I'll be over here doubting. Sorry, Lord, you know, who you created. And then we need these scriptures to fall back on. That's why we have to be in the word. That's why we have to study his word. That's why we need to know what it says and hide his word in our heart. So we don't sin against God. Psalm 23 and four says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. And something that stuck out to me is rod and staff represents discipline and correction. That's what shepherds did with their sheep to keep them in line so that they would stay on track and follow their shepherd. Discipline and correction help us to make better decisions and they bring forth wisdom. So when we trust God, we're giving him authority over our life. We're saying, you're Lord, I am under your leadership. I am under your subjection. I'm under your covering. And so when we fall out of line, meaning not like he's abusing us, but like good parents discipline their children. We want our children to grow up and to know how to make decisions that are best for them and decisions that won't hurt them if possible. And so that rod and that staff are comfort because it's our discipline and our correction. So down the line, when we get close to the cliff and where we fell before, we know like, hey, back up. This is not the direction that you should be going where all the signs, all these yellow signs are there. So what's after yellow? It's, it's going to turn red. It's going to be a red flag. But right now they're yellow. So let me turn around. Let me, you know, get out of there. So second Timothy one and seven says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Joshua one and nine says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. You are not alone. I am not alone. God is always with us. So even when we feel alone, even when we feel like, you know, where are our peeps at? Where are our friends at? Where are the people who should be pouring into me and doing X, Y, and Z? Where are these things? Um, where is your direction? Where is your comfort? God is there. Whether you feel it or not, he's still present. He's always with you. He has you covered. But we need to know that because we don't always feel that. But if you read your word, it'll reinforce that. So fear is something I had to stay on fear a little bit because I feel like it's a big deal. Fear is something we all experience. So in those moments, surrender that fear, that doubt, whatever is hindering you to move forward and what God has called us to do. 
to God and be obedient. That's what's most important. Sometimes we have to stop. We have to just stop. We have to step out in faith. So we have to go with the step out in faith and we have to do things afraid and God will take the fear because we're going to give it to him. Right. But with God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26 says, but Jesus looked at them and said to them with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God had Noah. He had his back. He had him so much that he had his kids back and he had his kids wives back and he had his wife's back. God had it all under control. He already had provisions made. He knew how to keep Noah and his people safe. He knew to bring these animals, but we'll go into detail with that in future episodes. But God made provisions. God made a way. God had his back. And so God had Noah and God has you. He has me. Let's make moves on God's instructions immediately. Let's not wait. Let's not procrastinate. Let's not be lazy. But instead, let's step out in faith and do what God called us to do. Noah could have waited. Noah could have procrastinated. Noah could have could have made the decision to take it to those corrupt individuals who God didn't speak to and could have said, like they were saying, which we'll get to, you're crazy. What are you doing? There's never been a flood. Like you didn't hear from God. Whatever. That all makes sense. But Noah chose to listen to God. And as a result, Noah was covered. His family was covered because of his obedience. So life, these kind of decisions could be life or death. You don't know what God is calling. Like you don't know the end result of everything that he's calling you to do. So instead of trying to figure it out, which I've been guilty of, because I like to overanalyze everything, let's step out in faith and trust God immediately and know that he has the, our best interest in mind. He has his best interest in mind, which is a great thing. He cares for us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows the ending from the beginning. Why wouldn't you trust that one? Why wouldn't you have your ear open to that one? to the one who already knows what's going to happen, to the one who has already made a way, to the one who is telling you so that you are protected or you are able to bless others through your obedience. Let's trust God. Let's trust him immediately. Let's not wait. Let's not back down. Let's not talk ourselves out of. Let's not allow others to talk us out of what God is calling us to do. If God is telling you something, God is telling me something. He's told me something. He's given me my, um, you know, some instruction. And looking at the something, it doesn't align with me in my mind of how things should work out. But I'm not God, right? God is God. And God knows the end before I even know the beginning. God already knows that things will work out. So instead of me trying to figure out what God is doing, although I ask constantly, I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, what is happening? Lord, this doesn't feel right. Like, Lord, come on. And he constantly reminds me through his word that he makes provisions. He constantly reminds me of, me of in his word that he is a way maker. He constantly reminds me in his word that he is faithful and consistent and that he already knows what's about to happen. And he, because I'm reading his word, I continue to trust him. It reminds me constantly that he is trustworthy and that I need to trust him. He reminds me constantly through life's experience as well, things that didn't work out and things that did that he is faithful and I need to trust him because when I don't, I know how things work out. And when I do, I know how things work out. God is faithful. He's not trying to pull a wool over our eyes. He's not doing thing in secret. He doesn't have to. He's God. He owes us nothing. And yet he still has grace on us. He still has mercy. His grace is still sufficient. God still covers us. He still protects us. He still leads us and guides us in spite of us. 
in spite of the decisions we make, in spite of the things that we do outside of his wheel, God still has his way and God still loves us unconditionally and he still wants the best for us. So don't think you are exempt from that. God loves you. God wants the best for you. So like how God gave all those instructions to Noah and Noah did them, let's be like Noah in that sense. Let's just be obedient. When God gives us instruction, let's just do it immediately. I'm guilty of not in the past and I need to do better. And so with God, we're able to, he's already strengthened us. He, through him, we are able to accomplish all things. And so this should be no different. Anything that you're dealing with. So let's pray. And that's all I got for you today. So dear most gracious and heavenly father, we thank you so much for this word and encouragement that comes from your word. Father God, help us to be obedient. Help us to step out in faith immediately. Help us to listen to you before we're listening to others, Lord God, who are leading us and instructing us to go outside of your will. Help us be obedient to you. Help us to know that anything you place upon our shoulders, we can handle with Christ because we know that you strengthen us and you are strength. So we give your name, glory, honor, and praise. And we pray that you allow us to see that you are the consistency. You are perfection, Lord God. And with you, we can do all things. We can accomplish all things. And you know the outcome before we even see a problem or an issue. You already have the solution. So we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your unconditional love. And I pray that you bless us and allow us to apply your words and remember when we're going through any situation, who you are, the characteristics of you, and how you always come through. Thank you for making provisions always. We love you. We give your name, honor, and praise. And I pray that you bless every person who heard this. Bless me too. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. I hope you guys were blessed. I hope that you receive something from the word today. And I pray that you move forward in whatever it is that God calls you to do, what he's told you to do, what you feel that has been within your spirit, what that repeating thing, like it doesn't have to be this thing that you just in your mind see as like, I have to move to Africa or to China and minister the God and what's, you know, and share the gospel as an evangelist. If he didn't tell you that, that's not for you. Don't think if he told you, you need to take this job and it's a pay cut and you need to do X, Y, and Z. If he told you that, then go do it. Period. You don't know what he's doing. You don't know whose lives he's going to save through you being there. You know, you don't know whose lives you're going to bless. You don't know the impact that you will have. And it doesn't have to be that, but that's just an example. That's just the first thing that came to my mind. So let's be obedient. Sometimes God is showing us things about ourselves in those moments too. When we notice that, you know, like we're doubting him or we're not trusting him in the moment when um, he reveals something to us, it's an area that we need to work on. So I pray that you guys are blessed. I pray that your week is blessed. And I pray that you come back for another episode to get that tea. Okay. So I hope it wasn't boring. I don't be bored when I'm reading the word. Sometimes things can be boring. And I mean, you never want to say that about the word of God, but like the genealogy stuff, it's like, right. But even that has a place. So get in the word. It's not boring. Take notes. And then if you look at the word on your phone, like if you're looking at it on your phone, um, I look at it in the Bible and I look things up on my phone. But when you are like on the Bible app, some of them, it'll have little like, I don't know what the little symbol is, but if you click on it, it'll reference different scriptures and then it'll, it'll allow you to see like, okay, um, this verse says this, and then it references this verse. So I go to the next verse and sometimes it'll just like say it again, or it'll detail it to help you understand it differently. Like how Job one and six and Job two and one, how it references sons of God, but it gives a little more detail of who is being referenced when it's talking about sons of God. So although I love the paper Bible, I love 
having the resource or tool of it on my phone so that I can, I am able to do that as well. So I pray that you guys are blessed. I pray you have a wonderful week. I know I keep closing like me in church or something, right? Like closing 10 times, but I hope you guys take care. Stay blessed. Lots of love, like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell. I hope you guys have, enjoy yourselves. Pray for me, pray for this, pray for what God is telling you to do, but go be obedient immediately.